0: Well, again, good morning and happy Mother's Day uh, to all of you moms out there in the crowd. I had a chance to call my mother this morning and wish her a happy Mother's Day as well. One of the things I love about Mother's Day is kids, right? I mean, after all, kids are so honest. Um, I was thinking this week, I got a, we got a message from our daughter, Casey. And I feel like I should introduce Bryce. He's coming to the second service think about bringing up introducing because I talk about him a lot But 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 yeah, yeah, but no because there's no telling what he'd say. But anyway So Bryce his preschool right? He's four in preschool So his preschool teacher decided since it was Mother's Day Why not ask some questions about mom? You know some of those treasures that you put in a scrapbook and keep forever and so she, they asked him some questions. And I wrote them down and then forgot to bring them. Let me see if I can remember a couple of those. Uh, oh, somebody dropped a watch here. I think it was me. Um, yeah, so she asked some questions. Here was the first question. The first question was, how old is your mommy? Bryce's answer, 400 years old. <laughs> I'm sure mom loved that. 400 years old, which, you know, that's that, you know how that goes. Second question that he asked is, is how pretty is your mommy? His response as pretty as her fake flowers (laughs) oh wow (laughs) don't know how to take that what's your mommy really good at washing dishes of course every mommy's good at that right wait a minute wait a minute this is this is maybe my favorite so what is where is your mommy's favorite place to go response the couch And that's perfectly followed up by, what's your mommy's favorite thing to do? Reply, sleep. Okay, before you hate on her, she has eight kids, okay? Enough said. And then, final one, he asks, so what is your mommy as sweet as? And his reply, as sweet as all of my stuffed animals. Oh, gotta be in awe after all the laughs, right? I just love the honesty of children. So it reminds us on Mother's Day how grateful we are are for our moms. Now, let me ask you this. When I say to you family or mother, probably it evokes all kind of emotions in the room like this. A difference of emotions, right? You know, for those of you who had really great mothers, it's like, oh, it's wonderful emotions today. I'm happy. But for those whose mother exited for whatever reason, maybe not so much. For some today, it's a happy day because it's being with mother in church or, or having lunch with mother. But for some, it's a sad day because mother passed away the past year. There's, there's a gamut of emotions when we mention mother. And there's a gamut of emotions even when we draw that wider to mention family. We're, we're starting a new series today. We're calling Family Blank Church. There's one thing I know about those two words, family, and church and that is most of them provoke some kind of an emotion in our hearts right if I say to you What do you think of when I say football? Some of you are going to be like excited because you know what it's coming up and some of you are like "eh, Doesn't really matter if I mention shopping some of you are going to be very excited can't wait yet We're going this afternoon some of you are gonna be like eh. but when we talk about family when we talk about church it's two things, two words that immediately provoke some kind of emotion, come some kind of response. We, we have a thought about it. Now, it varies. Granted, some thoughts are good. Some thoughts are not so good. When you think about family, some people are very excited because, you know what, my family is close, my family is supportive, my family is this, my family is that. But some, on the other hand, will have a negative feeling because my family has gone. I don't know family. I don't have any family. And there's an emptiness of that. And guess what? When I say church, there is a difference of feeling. For some, when you say church, it's a happy feeling. Yeah, I can't wait to get to church. I love being a part of church. I, I love going to church. I love being in the church. And some of are going to be like, yeah, I don't have such good memories. Some, are spur- some of you think about hurts, heartaches, disappointments, somebody letting you down, maybe a pastor letting you down. Maybe somebody that you put on a pedestal who disappointed you. But they strike some kind of emotion in our heart. So for the next three weeks, we're going to talk about these two words and a little of what they entail, family, church. Now you say, well, what's the blank for? Well, the blank, we're going to fill in the blanks for the next three weeks, okay? We're going to fill in the blanks. I'm going to keep it a little bit secret. We're going to fill in the blanks. You know me. I'll probably spurt it out before the end of the time. But anyway... Gonna tell you, we're gonna fill in the blanks. The first blank we're gonna talk about today is this family and church. Family and church. What happens when church and family collide? <laughs> because I don't know if you realize it or not, but at some point in life, for church and family is going to collide. It's always been a tension in my heart. It's always been a tension in my life. Because here's the thing. My personal testimony is this. I love family. And there's nothing more important to me than my family. And I love church. I mean, you, and you should say, well, that's a good thing, Pastor, that you love church. I do. I, I love church. And, and it's not just because I'm a pastor. I've had many opportunities to exit that part of church, but I love church because of what it is. Have I been disappointed at church? Sure. Have I been disappointed with people? Sure. Have I wanted to quit? Not since Thursday. <laughs> but I love both. But because I love both, there've been times when I felt like church and family collided. There just at times didn't see seem to be time for both. You know what I mean? How do you how do you spend time with family and yet time with church? And how do you keep the balance there? How do they, when these collide? What begins to happen? Sometimes we get frustrated. I've seen families get frustrated because they would just get upset because, you know what, I don't have time, enough time with my family. I don't have enough time for my church, and I want to serve, and all these things that cause a tension between church and family. And what about kids? What a wonderful to see these children line up here this morning. Incredible thing, but what about children? and church what happened what's the responsibility of family and church when it comes to children and ministry to children and student ministry what do we do how do we solve this tension well I'm convinced of this I believe that there ought to be a collision a healthy collision of church and family and here's the big idea that i want to share with you today. And here's what I want you to get. Here's what I want us to talk about maybe as much as anything else. And that is, when family and church work together, faith grows. When family and church work together, family grows. And in the end, we're going to see that if those two decide to take the other's responsibility, the growth is hindered. So how do we work together? How does this partnership between family and church work together? And how do we solve the tension of church and family? And by the way, I do believe it can be settled. So that's what we'll talk about today and the next few weeks. So I want to take you all the way back in the Bible because I really want to show you three things. I want to show you first of all that family is important. I think you know that and that's why you're here today. at least that's why some of you are here today some of you came thank you for coming some of you came to be with someone who's being baptized why because family is important and and you want to be here to support them that's part of the reason why the crisis of collision of church and family because you want to be there for them family is important second thing i want to share with you is that church life or the church's involvement in the family is important And I really believe that. Now, don't get mad. I'm not going to send anybody on any guilt trips here, but I do want to show you why I think the church involvement with family, partnering with family is important. And then third, I can't even guess maybe this thought, that church is extended family. Church is a faith family. In fact, you can't really separate these two things, this family and church. As a matter of fact, there's amazing how many terms the Scripture uses in talking about family and church and bringing them together, how many familiar passages or thoughts that we have in church that are family related? For instance, how is God referred to? How do we refer to God as our what? Father. In fact, in fact, if you want to use the Aramaic form in some of the New Testament scriptures, it's Abba, or Daddy, even more personal, right? We talk about our father daddy is a little bit more personal a little bit more sensitive Abba well by the way what did Jesus say Jesus said the church was like his he called it his what bride ah so now we have the husband the bride the groom the bride the husband the wife and by the way what did I just say what was the term I just said when baptizing these I called them my what brother sister or little brother a little sister why because that the family idea helps us to understand how a church functions or at least should function and, and by the way I'm okay with that I hope you're okay with that and by the way can I just add this free of charge I've never known a family that didn't love each other deeply but still had conflicts come on I thought I'd surely get a at least a shaking of the head right there if your family hasn't experienced that yet hang on it's coming just wait So let's talk about these two entities this family and church and let's show you these things first thing I want to show you is how important the family is In the matter of spiritual growth and development now I want to take you all the way back to the Old Testament book of Deuteronomy Deuteronomy if you have a copy like I have it's in the very first It's the fifth book of your Old Testament or you can see it on the screen It'll be up in just a moment or you can go to the contents of your pad or uh, tablet or phone or whatever Deuteronomy chapter 6 now some of you are going to be very familiar with this passage But let me set it up for you and tell you what's happening. You got to understand the context to really appreciate it Anybody remember a man named Moses? So Moses is leading his people Israel out of Egypt to a land of promise We talked about several weeks ago. This land of promise was a land described as flowing with milk and honey It was a great land where they would enter in and finally become a nation of people so, before they enter into the promised land, when they're still in this wilderness, we know now as the Arabian Peninsula, Moses is teaching the people. And he's saying, There's some things you need to know about. As you enter into this land and become a nation, there's a few things you need to know. And he starts off by giving them what we now know as the Shema. See, I never heard of that. Well, maybe you've heard of it this way. He began by saying this most important, number one, Love the Lord your God with all your heart with all your mind all your strength Jesus quoted that in the New Testament must be pretty important. He said there's where you need to start start everything with that Love the Lord your God that is first and foremost of importance that you love God number one And then he added and that's where I want to pick up beginning in verse number six I want to pick up with what he says that I think is pretty important to our subject. He says These words that I am giving you today are to be in your heart. In other words, what I'm going to say to you is important, guys. Listen. These need to sink down from your head to your heart. Do you all understand that difference? There's a lot of difference in something being in your head and being in your heart, right? So these things need to be in your heart. They need to be important to you. And then he says this, verse 7. Repeat them to your children talk about them when you sit in your house and when you walk along the road when you lie down and when you get up so Moses starts by saying if you're going to develop spiritually to where you love God the way you must it starts in the family teach these things to your children talk about them often Put them around you. Talk about them when you're sitting in your house, when you're walking on the road. What's he saying? In everyday life. Talk about these things. The first thing I really want you to get is this, guys. The family is the environment, provides environment for spiritual growth and development. It's very important. See, what I'm saying is this the discipleship of your wife your husband your children the discipleship of your family is important and that discipleship begins at home can you hear me say that i want to say that one more time i told you i love church and i feel a strong responsibility to children's ministry from the church but can i tell you something We need to understand that the first responsibility for raising children and and guiding children and nourishing children to spiritual development, the first area of responsibility came to the family. That's ours. Your children, my children, my grandchildren, their discipleship is way too important to leave that to anyone else but me. I firmly believe that, and yours are don't trust that in anybody else that's your responsibility that's what you were to do that's what he's saying so clearly in everyday life let that happen now let me take you to the New Testament and show you an illustration of when that happened and how it happened all the way over to the back of the New Testament to a book called 2nd Timothy in 2nd Timothy the Apostle Paul is writing to a young apprentice and I want you to notice carefully the words that he says in the first five verses he talks about this environment spiritual growth. He says, Paul are you with me? Paul an apostle of Christ Jesus, he's just telling us who wrote the letter, by God's will for the sake of the promise of life in Christ Jesus to Timothy, watch this my dearly loved son now I'm going to come back to that because I want you to see something Timothy was not his blood son Timothy was whom he considered his spiritual son Timothy had a father who was a Greek we don't know much about him let me read on he says to Timothy my dearly beloved son or loved son grace mercy and peace from God the Father and Christ Jesus our Lord and then he says in verse 3 I thank God whom I serve with clear conscience as my ancestors did when I constantly remember you in my prayers night and day remembering your tears now watch this I long to see you so that I may be filled with joy. And when I think of you, he says, I recall, verse 5, I recall your sincere faith that first lived in your grandmother Lois and in your mother Eunice. And now I'm convinced it's in you also. You see what Paul's doing? He's saying, Timothy, when I think of you, man, when I think of you, buddy, man, great thoughts come to mind. I pray for you. I long to see you. I miss you. When I think about you, I remember. I recall this faith that you have, this incredible faith, and that at first lived in your grandmother Lois. So Lois, obviously, provides this home life, this this environment in her home to pass her faith on to Eunice, her daughter. And then Eunice creates this environment in her home to pass her faith on to Timothy What a beautiful picture. That's the environment. That's the thing. I want you to see and that is this environment that the home creates That aids in spiritual development now I understand and I ought to clarify there's a lot, so many things because I know Even as I'm talking you're thinking of little things that pop up. You're thinking about little yellow flags and you're saying but now pastor I did all that with my kid, and they're gone They're off on some kind of wild trail. Somebody's going to tell me that Can I just tell you this? There are no guarantees when it comes to kids Can I get an amen from somebody? Whew. There are no guarantees if you think if we think we're going to create a checklist and check everything off and have them turn out Perfect. I guess I'm not to the end of my list yet, right? No, no, no. There are no guarantees, and I don't think that's the idea. We're talking about creating an environment for spiritual growth. But guess what? Listen to me carefully. You're giving your children, your grandchildren, a greater opportunity to develop spiritually when you provide the environment that is conducive to that. That's our responsibility. Don't abdicate that. Don't turn that over to anybody. And you're saying, well, I don't know, Pastor. Eddie, I don't know too much about those things. I I don't know how to do those things. I don't know how to teach my kids. I don't know Bible stories, and, and I don't know those things. And how can I do that? And I understand you feel a little intimidated. And you're saying to me, that's easy for you. You're a pastor. As a matter of fact, if it didn't sound so whiny, I'd argue with you that it's harder. In a lot of ways, it's harder. Because sometimes I want to play preacher when I need to play daddy. And sometimes I need my daddy hat on. And there are days I need to have pastor hat on. Kind of hard, really. So don't push it off as, well, it's easy for you. No, 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 no. It's not too easy for me. In fact, I made a confession. When I first came to the orchard, you know, there weren't many people in here and, and we were trying to, to build a church. And, and I remember saying something when we came home. Wife said, my wife said, well, that probably ran everybody off. Because I told them, I said, you know what? I got a confession to make. I said, there were too many years I spent, my kid, my, I spent time and energy teaching my kids how to be good church members when I needed to teach them how to love Jesus with all their heart. And you're like, well, shouldn't that be one and the same? It should be. But what, what am I saying? Sometimes that balance is hard to find. And when church and family collide, it can be difficult. No, my first responsibility is to teach them how to love Jesus. She said, Well, how in the world can I do that? Let me get real practical for just a minute. A couple of things that come to mind. First of all, read your Bible. That's your manual. Somebody said to me one time, <laughs> I repeated it. The first time I held my little baby, it was like, ah, there's no owner's manual. I don't know what to do with this. Kid. I don't know how to feed. I don't know how to, I don't know how to do all the things. And but there is an owner's manual. It's right here. I know what you're saying. Some of you are still trying to figure that out. Some of you are still thinking, I'm not sure if the Bible is God's Word. I'm still trying to figure it out, Pastor Eddie. Can I just tell you something? Listen to me carefully. If you'll take the teachings of Jesus, if you'll take the Scriptures, and if you'll follow the principles and the precepts drawn out in that, I'm telling you, you will live a better life, and you will be better at life. I don't care what you believe. Now, don't think I'm just kind of, don't don't turn on me. I'm not saying we don't need to know that Jesus Jesus and his word is true I'm just saying those principles and precepts are real and they're good to know read your Bible Well, I don't know all the Bible stories. How can I? I'm not you know what Bible stories are a little bit of an enigma to me? Anyway with kids, right? I mean, I remember the first time I realized was when I took my kids in to read the Bible story for them that night before They went to bed, you know, you go know, they're so cute sweet. They've had their bath. They got their pajamas on. They're so sweet. You go, you tuck them into bed. Let daddy, let daddy, or at that time daddy, let daddy read a story to you. It's about this man who's thrown into a lion's den. And the lions are perched and ready to tear him apart. (laughs) Or what about the one where this whale came and swallowed a man? (laughs) Be careful how you choose those things, right? Right? But the Bible is important. You need to read your Bible. That's your handbook. And that'll teach you much that you need to teach your children. The principles that come from those stories. Second, live it out. Live it out in front of your children. That is so, so, so very important. Let your children see it. Reggie Joyner had a quote. Let me just read it. I don't want to get it wrong. Reggie Joyner said, we we can give our kids a front row seat to the grace of God in our lives. Isn't that so real? You You may not know how to teach your kids the hebrew and the greek of the bible you may not know genesis from revelation but listen to me carefully you can read your bible share with them some precepts and principles and then you can live out the grace of god in front of your children give them a front row seat let them see god working in your life let them see you praying i was so proud of my wife yesterday or the day before uh, bryce is here for the weekend with us and and um he's praying you know and and you know the four-year-old prayer right God is great, God is good, let us. And then it kind of goes everywhere from there. And uh, she looked at him and she said, Bryce, that's so wonderful, I'm so glad you prayed. She said, but you know what, sometimes when I pray and ask the blessing, I'll just thank God for the day and I'll thank God for the food that he's given us, and I'll thank God for for this and for that, and I'll just tell God how much I love him. What's she doing? She's providing an environment that's conducive to spiritual growth, teaching him that prayer is more than just rote, that we rattle off. Our Father who art in heaven, hallowed be thy name. Every football team quotes that just before going out and trying to tear each other apart. No, prayer is talking to God. Live it out flesh it out let them see you know what that's why sometimes you know i I love the fact that we can have kids in kids church because that allows you to concentrate and focus on what we're doing in here but every now and then i just like for the kids to come in here you know why because every now and then i just like for them to see mom and dad engaged in worship watch that you see i just every now and then that's why i love when my grandkids come my older grandkids who who will sit in here and i'm so glad when they come that they can just see me worship i not putting on a show for them, but I'm live it out in front of them. Third, pray. You can pray for your children. You, you don't have to be a theologian to pray. Prayer is just talking with God. Prayer is just saying what Beth said to Bryce. Hey, Bryce, let me tell you something about how we can talk to God. Pray for your children. Pray for them every day. Pray for them in special moments. Pray for them in everyday moments. And then, besides that, you can widen their circle. Widen the circle. Because whether or not you realize it, (laughs) I can speak because I'm telling you, I've been through the stages. Watch this. Sooner or later, you're going to need a second voice in their lives. Because sooner or later, they're going to think you're dumb as a rock. Now, I know those of you who have beautiful, precious little children, you're like, no, oh, not my sweetheart. Yep, your sweetheart. Now, you're going to get smarter when they get about 25, 26, married with kids. You'll get smart again, but, but there's going to be a time when you're going to be dumb as a rock, and you're going to need a second voice. Now, that's where I think church begins to move into the picture in this partnership. Church gives us a second voice. I'm so glad I had a second voice in my kid's life because, see, here's what my kids would throw up at me. Now, yours may not throw this up at you, but this is what my kids would throw up at me. You're just saying that because you're a preacher and I'm a preacher's kid. To which I would respond, no. I'm saying that because we're Christians and this is the way we live. This is the way, these are our values. It has nothing to do with the fact that I'm a preacher. It has everything to do with the fact that Christ is in my heart and life and has given me a direction. But you see, we, we do need a second voice. I was glad for second voices. I was glad for people who, would, who were faithfully served in the preschool area and in the children's ministry and in the student ministry and, and gave a second voice to my children. I was so glad. Now, it was, listen, primarily it was my responsibility. But it was good to have a second voice. Now, I want to go back to that passage in Timothy and watch how, how we begin to see the church work into that. Look at verse 6, the next verse. It says, Paul said to Timothy, Therefore, I remind you to rekindle the gift of God that is in you through the laying on of my hands. So now we get the first hint that Paul has an active role in discipling Timothy. He says, first of all, I'm so grateful because Eunice, Lois, your grandmother, your mother provided an environment for spiritual growth. And then he says, now, we, the church, provide the equipping for that spiritual growth. I got involved. He said, Timothy, remember... The things that I taught you with the laying on of hands and then he goes on for God has not given us a spirit of fear But of power love and sound judgment So don't be ashamed of the testimony about our Lord or of me his prisoner instead Share in sufferings for the gospel relying on the power of God He has saved us and called us with a holy calling not according to our works But according to his own purpose and grace which is given to us in Christ Jesus before time began And I to skip all the way down to verse 13 and listen to this. He says hold on to the pattern of sound teaching that you have heard from me. So, he commends the home as the environment for spiritual development. And then he talks about the church who served as equippers for spiritual growth. And he said, remember, all the things I've taught you, the sound teaching that you heard. You see, I think, I'm convinced That church and family ought to collide in a healthy way, as partners, because when they collide, growth happens. Growth begins to come. And so Paul, writing to Timothy, said, "Don't forget the part, the role that the church played." If you turn a couple of pages over in your Bible, it says in chapter three he he adds to that. He says in verse 16, listen, all Scripture is inspired by God and is profitable for teaching, for rebuking, for correcting, for training in righteousness. Oh, I want to back up. I'm sorry. Did I, go, go back with me. Did I go on to the 14? Yes, thanks. Verse 14. I need to follow you instead of you follow me. How about that? But as for you, continue in what you have learned and firmly believe, you know those who taught you. And you know, watch this, that from infancy you have known The sacred scriptures. So you say, well, so when do I start with my child? From infancy. You see, why do you fool with teaching a preschooler about prayer? From infancy. Why do you tell a preschooler a story? From infancy. Why do you teach a preschooler to love church? Preschool infancy from the very beginning (laughs) I know what you're thinking you're thinking about oh Pastor Eddie but my child is way past infancy it's never too late to begin start where you are it's never too late to begin how from infancy you've known the sacred scriptures which are able to give you wisdom for salvation through faith in Jesus Christ look at the next verse I love these all scripture is inspired by God and is profitable for teaching I wish I could just unpack that verse but you got to go do Mother's Day so let's don't all scripture is inspired by God and is profitable for teaching for rebuking for correcting for training in righteousness why? so that the man of God may be complete equipped for every good work that's our goal as parents so that our children be complete that is mature that's the idea there mature equipped every good work can I just say something and boy I'm trying to be really careful here because remember what I said earlier about everybody having an emotional thought about this I got to be real careful but listen to me carefully our job your job as parents grandparents my job as a parent grandparent is to not listen is to not teach our kids to be good kids to teach them to be great adults No, that that sink before you get mad at me. Well, I thought it was to have good kids. Well, the world defines a good kids, right? Different people. Nah, our goal is to see them complete, mature, great adults. Because listen to me carefully. There's going to be a time when you're going to think, I failed the good kid thing. (laughs) You know what my good kid did? He just scribbled all over his wall. With permanent marker. You know what my kid did? He just bloodied somebody's kid's nose on the playground. Now our God, our our job is to teach them to be mature, to grow them to maturity. Discipleship. I won't say it again. Discipleship of your child, bringing your child to a place of maturity, is too important give it to somebody else even the church even the church now i know you're probably shocked to hear me say that i'm gonna say something else that's gonna shock you i don't want those of you with children grandchildren listen to me carefully i'm just gonna try to share my heart with you i don't want to be your children's spiritual hero i want you to be your spiritual children your children's spiritual heroes I want to come alongside you to equip you in that process. Does that make sense? Because you see, I believe the the best environment for spiritual growth is the family. And then the church are equippers for that spiritual growth. But when they come together and collide, boom, faith, grows. So I want to leave you with this thought, and I'm done, and we'll get out of here. The church, I believe, should equip families not replace them. Would you could, you? could I just say that one more time? I want to make sure, if you go out here and quote me, I want to make sure you get it right. The church should equip families not replace them. We're not here to replace you, Dad. We're not here to replace you, Mom. We're not here to replace you, Granddad, Grandmom. We're not here to replace family. We're here to equip. I want you to hear me say that. Because as much as I love what happens beyond that wall right there in children's ministry and preschool ministry and student ministry, I know that the one who can disciple them the best is you. And my job is to come alongside you to equip you for the work of the ministry. Well, you may or may not agree. It won't be the first time somebody disagreed, especially talking about church and family. Tough assignment any day, but particularly on this day. So if I could somehow, final thought, if I could somehow, if you're at zero in this, if those, maybe you're here this morning you're you would say, Pastor Eddie, I am at zero in, in dealing with my children spiritually. And on a scale of 1 to 10, I'm at Zero. If I could just move the needle to one or two. I asked this question this week. How can we move the needle? How can I help you move the needle just from zero to one or two? Let's not even shoot for 10 yet, okay? Because if I tell you you're shooting for 10, you're like, well, forget that. We'll never get there. How can we just get you to a one or a two? Let me give you a thought. First of all, have a conversation with your child today those children back there what'd you learn what you learn today oh we learned about now they're liable to tell you anything there ain't no telling what they're gonna tell you but take it and run with it don't just end it oh okay great no take it and run with it now frankly I hate to admit it I don't even know what they're learning back there today I, I don't know what the value is for today maybe some of you guys out there don't but first of all, talk to them. Have a conversation. Children, older children, have a conversation. Children in here, students, when they come home from CO2 or they come home from church, so what, what did the message say to you today? What did you learn today? What, what? Start a conversation. That's an easy place to begin. And then shape that conversation towards spiritual development and growth. Here's another easy one. And I, and I promise I'm, I'm done. I'll, I'll, next thing. Begin to pray for your kids every day. Not just, okay, Lord, remember uh, uh, so-and-so, I'm praying for them. Give some serious thought. What are they going through today? Are they testing today? Pray for them. You need to go to bed early. We're having testing tomorrow. Good. You you need to wear something comfortable. We're testing today. Good. That's good stuff. But why not say, you know what, let's just stop and pray before you go to school today. Pray for them. Pray for them specifically. You know what my teenager's going through, Lord? You know the hard time they're having at school. Having a hard time connecting with friends and they're feeling lonely. They're feeling left out. God, would you bring someone into their life? Someone into their life that could be a blessing. Why not pray specifically? So that's your assignment. That's your assignment. You want to move from the needle from zero to one, maybe two? Start a conversation with your family. When you sit down around the table today, among the things you talk about, might talk about, are what happened today. And I'm not talking about having roast preacher, okay? You know what roast preacher is. Yeah, that's where you sit around and roast me at lunch, you know. Well, that was about the worst Mother's Day sermon I ever heard in my life. Well, just come back next year, probably be worse. So, you know. I'm talking about what did you learn? How do you grow? What can I do? Let me pray for us. Heavenly Father, I thank you for my family, for my children, for my grandchildren, for my mother, my father, my brother, his family. I could just go down the list. Lord, thank you for allowing me another Mother's Day to just come and speak about the things that you've taught me through the years and I'm learning to this day. Lord, I don't ever want to stop learning in this matter because family and church is important. Help us, God, to understand the relationship between church and family. Now, church and family can collide in a good way so that growth happens. Help us to solve the tension, the tensions that rise and speak to our hearts. Even now, we pray in Jesus' name. Amen. And you know, I don't know why we all came today, but I know this. I'm sure that we're all here by God's design and purpose and that we hear His Word, it's good for us to contemplate that Word, to meditate on that Word, to chew on that Word. And so right now, we're just going to have a time of singing where we're going to worship our Father. We're going to worship our God. Give you an opportunity to... Think, meditate, pray, respond, whatever God leads you to do. So maybe you just want to come and sing with us, stand and sing with us, or maybe you want to stay seated or you want to kneel. I'll I'll be stepping over here in this corner. If you'd like somebody to pray with you, I'd be glad to do that. Whatever God leads you to do.